and welcome to a special bonus episode of The Royalty as we dissect the final three episodes of Harry and Meghan's Netflix documentary. So pop the kettle on, come and join us. This is The Royalty. I'm Sarah Hewson. Well, train strikes and bad weather mean we couldn't all get together in the studio today, but we did want to jump on as soon as we possibly could and give you our instant reaction to episodes four, five and six of Harry and Meghan, which we have all just binge watched uh, this morning. My panel today are Tessa Dunlop, uh, royal historian and author of Elizabeth and Philip. Talk TV royal commentator Rupert Bell, Talk TV regular and royal commentator Afia Hagen. Hello to all of you. So it is finished now. All six episodes have been watched, binged, consumed. Tell us what you make of it. Tessa, let me come to you first for your response. Well, it's extraordinary. You watch these things in real time. So I sat there for three hours, did a bit of knitting, a bit of yoga to get into the kind of Megan and her mum vibe and took it in and came away thinking, hey, Harry looks quite good in those middle-aged man specs. He seemed a little bit angry, lonely, and they went back onto the case of this symbiotic relationship between the press and the palace, which didn't work for them. Then I look at the way in which the press juggernaut have interpreted the same three documentaries I've watched, and they've absolutely dug into the points that I scarcely that yeah William shouted at him uh, when they had that summit at Sandringham but that, that was a kind of given wasn't it that there was a family argument going on there but if you look now at the the play out of that clip in the documentary which was really moved across very quickly it's like oh right so this is all about a rift between William and Harry which I kind of felt was relatively minimized in the documentary they kept sticking it at the institution of monarchy and the press I don't know what the others think uh, yeah, well, actually, I, I disagree with you on that because there were so many generalizations and talking about the institution and they. So when it became specific, that actually stood out for me and, and right. drew my attention. Afia, what did you think? I have to agree with you. I mean, we had William's name in the trailer, which I think was very telling. And I think Harry really dug into sort of the nuts and bolts of what their rift is all about. I thought it was very telling to hear him talk about, you know, that Sandringham summit where, you know, Prince William is screaming at him while his father said all sorts of things that weren't true. And the Queen just sort of sat there and took it in because of course she's trying to protect the institution and trying to protect the monarchy. I thought that was a really huge takeaway along with when they were talking about the joint statement that was released um, to shoot down the bullying claims. And Harry said, look, I didn't want to put my name to that joint statement. That was nothing to do with me. And then saying he called Megan and she cried. And, and, and the feeling was that after four hours, they were willing to protect Prince William, but after three years, they weren't willing to protect Megan. And that kind of implies as well that he stood by the original story that the bullying claims took place. But I thought there was other takeaways in it as well, that it was very emotional and very powerful when Megan was talking about the feelings of suicide, when her mother Doria was talking about how hard it was to hear that her daughter was suicidal and Harry himself when he was talking about how he felt and that he was angry and ashamed of the way he reacted that he kind of went into mm. royal Harry mode how do we preserve the situation how do we make sure that we can keep going to these royal engagements instead of husband Harry mode that he called it and which was being there for Meghan and being there for her in that time 
I also think it was interesting when they talked about Megxit, when they were saying that they were um, prepared to relinquish their royal titles um, so that they could perhaps carve out a life for themselves that would work. So yeah, there was definitely quite a few takeaways from this, from these three episodes. How damaging do you think this is for the royal family, for the royal household? Um, I think they've just got to ride the storm. But the, the, the takeaway I got was that Harry was angry. He looked angry through quite a lot of the documentary. He seemed to be really angry and, uh, and got that real sense of anger against the British press and that they have created it. And also not only members of its family that we saw that anger being pointed out with accusing the king of lying and the, 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 the slanging match with his brother, plus the royal institution and the household also came in for a lot of flack from both Harry and Meghan saying they tried their best. But also at the end of it, I just got the feeling, well, this is just a one way street and actually trying to step back for that and then sort of try and say, well, what is the other side of the story? And I felt at that at, when it finished, well, I haven't got that. But overall, the Royal Institution have definitely come in for a, a real kicking from Harry and Meghan today. And Rupert, when you talk about them needing to ride this out, ride it out how? Silently? Or do you think this warrants a response? Now. I, think they, I think they just let it ride out because we saw when the crown came out, everyone was going to say, right, this is going to be damning for the royal family. No one said anything and it disappeared. The, the next stage they've got to deal with is when the book comes out. So at the moment, less is more from their point of view and kick on. But I'm sure... Let's be quite clear, there might be some quiet briefings going on, which is one of the points of the documentary anyway, to try and put their side of the story. It's, it's funny because I, I thought from all of it that, that Harry seemed quite alone, quite sad. I, I kind of felt a degree of compassion for him. He confessed to missing the kind of funny, weird, I think he described them, family gatherings mm. in the palace about missing his country and about missing some of his friends who he's overtaken or grown out of. I think that was one of his expressions. And I was more focused really on their vulnerability than the palace and the household coming in for a drubbing. It just seemed, you know, when you watch a divorce and you just think, oh, that, that's kind of sad. You don't love your two friends differently. You know, you, you kind of knew they were flawed. Nobody is perfect from the beginning. And you just feel sad that it didn't work. I don't think I feel differently or have learned anything particularly different about the institution of monarchy in the press pack or indeed about Harry and Meghan. I just felt a bit sad at the end of it. I pick up on another point where he talks about coming back for Prince Philip's funeral and he says none of us wanted to talk about it but we had to talk about it. But basically William and Charles, his brother and Prince Charles as he was then, now the king, were still stuck to the same narrative and it wasn't moving on. It was very clear to him that there was never going to be any apology. Is that what he's seeking here, Afia? You know, I think he did want some sort of apology. And I think he also wanted some recognition that what had happened in the past was wrong, whether that was the way that the institutions of the royal family and the media sort of feed off one another, whether that was the way that summit took place, what happened at the summit was wrong. I think he desperately wanted and needed an acknowledgement that wrongdoing had happened, an apology. And of course, that 
that's not what happened. And I think he's actually come to terms with that now. He said that, you know, that it's clear that no apology was going to happen. There was no recognition of wrongdoing. And I think perhaps if that had happened, they would have been able to draw a line under the whole thing. And, and that's what they needed to move on. But he also said they're moving on anyway. They're getting on with their lives. But yeah, I do think, you know, both of them really, really wanted that apology and that acknowledgement that what had happened was wrong. But Rupert, I talked about it being an ir irreparable uh, rift. I wonder, is it, do you think there's any chance now after this playing out the way it is? And of course, we've still got the book uh, to come. But do you see any chance of those brothers managing to repair that enormous, enormous divide? divide? Well, they've obviously, their split is far bigger than probably when, if we look at our own families, we sometimes fall out with our siblings or whatever. We do eventually try and find a way. And you'd hope that time might be a healer here, that actually a bit of time, a bit of uh, the breathe after all these sort of stuff has come out, that they can look at trying to repair the damage. But they want their life in California in many ways. Let them actually have from their own point of view. Now it's time for them to breathe and take stock of what they've gone through, which clearly, looking at this documentary, felt very raw for both Meghan and mm. Harry. So I think at the moment, all sides need to take a step back and go, right, maybe in a year's time, let's try and heal. We've got the coronation. I'm sure they'll be there because it's a family affair. And as the King has always said, you know, he loves Harry and Meghan. So he still wants to bring them together. But of course, there is the element of a sort of Shakespearean tragedy about the whole thing. And that's the, that's the sad thing. And I think just as observers, I think we'd like them to get back together again because they clearly, at one stage, were very close. Yeah, and on that rawness, uh, nowhere is it played out more apparently than when we see Meghan talking about the toll that all of this took on her mental health, uh, Tessa, the depression and the suicidal thoughts. Yeah, it was interesting because she clearly and perhaps naively thought that would be the big takeaway point from the Oprah Winfrey interview, but in fact was taken aback when the main pressure point was about race. What colour would baby Archie be? And I wonder here, of course, we don't have the response from William and Charles, and I'm absolutely 100% sure we won't get one, but there are Harry and Meghan waiting for an apology casting themselves very much as the outsiders. At the same time, of course, they had a big um, suing case uh, against Associated Press. You don't take on the Daily Mail lightly. So they're feeling kind of up against it. But one would assume that perhaps William and the family also wanted a bit of an apology because these accusations of racism, etc., had been cast across the Atlantic. So both sides feeling bruised. It would take a very clever mediator to get them back together. Yeah, um, Tessa mentioned there you, d you don't take on at the press. That was one of the, the lines that Harry quoted from his father, Afir, wasn't it? Who said to him, darling boy, you, you don't take on the media. The media does its thing. But Harry does and very, very specifically blames the male for Meghan's miscarriage. Absolutely. And I feel that Harry and Meghan felt that, look, if they didn't take on the media, who would? That the, the way that the media and the institutions of, of the British media houses and the royal family, the way they've been operating for so long, was not beneficial to a lot of people. And therefore, they had to be called out when they were doing things that were wrong. 
And I think Harry has really done that, especially when he made the comments about the Daily Mail and Meghan's miscarriage. You know, he said, you know, at this point we were in court and it was very, very stressful. And then Meghan had a miscarriage and he said, you know, he can't prove that the two things were linked, but he believes wholeheartedly that Meghan had that miscarriage because of the stress that she was going through, that they both were going through. And that's really, really heartbreaking to hear, actually, that they feel that this family tragedy is re is, is down to the newspaper, is, is down to the hounding, is down to this court case that they were going through miscarriages are awful they are very stressful we know that stress can bring them on and that just shows the deep level of contempt that he really has especially for that particular newspaper i felt that miscarriage point i've had several miscarriages early miscarriages i've had late miscarriages i've held um a four and a half month year old dead baby in my hand um they are much more prevalent among women of a certain age and and i felt that case although i really felt for harry megan because it is heartbreaking having a miscarriage actually statistically ask any medic that ain't about stress that's probably about 99 in an early miscarriage is about you know maternal uh, age and and they're statistically far more likely over the age of 35 towards 40 etc so i felt that was a kind of an example of where sometimes i think perhaps the couple have taken two and two and occasionally and understandably made five and that was a very personal point so and who knows we don't know their medical records exactly so i can't say 100 percent. but but i wonder if that isn't indicative sometimes of them feeling something and and pinning the vein 100 percent. it was on that when perhaps it wasn't I think they did play the victim card throughout the six episodes. And when you think at the beginning, we embraced them wholeheartedly when they came into the country and the media and everyone got right behind them. What we probably didn't really, OK, they say that the stories came out and the leaking in the press, but it was all a bit flim flammy, if you see what I mean. There was no real facts. And that, I think, is another thing that it's all good on the top surface. But when you pry under, I just wonder whether it's not quite as meaty as they would like it to be, and that there are two sides to the coin. And however, the sad about the miscarriage and all the other things that went on in how they see the story, at the same time, I feel that they really laid it on with a trowel at times that they were the complete victims of the piece here. And it's not how I remember it at the time. I think, you know, they were just, just like his mother, she was adept at playing the press in her own right. I'm pretty sure that Meghan and Harry have also used the press to their own good effect, as this documentary is part of. What about what we've learned from this about why Megxit happened? Because this is all about them getting their side of the story across. And what we have learned is that this was actually a long two-year process and there were multiple plans put forward, New Zealand, South Africa, before they ended up deciding uh, to go to Canada. Uh, Tessa, what did you take from that? What did you pick up on there? I picked up on uh, this interesting kind of juxtaposition where they're becoming too popular and mm. uh, they're eclipsing other members of the royal family. And there's this sort of this needling that's occurring in the press. The idea that that ain't gonna sit pretty. We actually hear Piers Morgan's voice saying it's not gonna work. You know, if she's a rock star. Megan. Yeah, she's, she's trumping the others. And it reminds me that we have to own the press, especially, but not only the tabloid press, rely on clicks. They rely on jeopardy. 
if everyone is getting on, if it's just one big happy family hug, you know, who's buying those papers? Can I just get your final thoughts looking ahead as to what this all means now for royal relations and the coronation in less than five months time? Rupert, you've said you think they'll be here. Tessa, uh, let's start with you. Can you see a family reunion for the coronation? I think it will be painful. I think they'll be there. I think for Brand Sussex, they have to be there. I have to take slight exception with my dear friend Afia on the Commonwealth issue. I thought there was a, a real problem editorially within the first volume. You know, they were basically effectively trashing the Commonwealth because it was this kind of hangover from empire. And then in the second breath, they were saying, oh, but we wanted to be these representatives. We would have lived here or here or here. What kind of, well, why didn't you? No, in the end, you chose America, you chose California. That's where the money lies. And that for me was a bit of an uncomfortable stitch together. I couldn't make it work. Some of their story doesn't fully stack up. You know, were they complaining about Frogmore Cottage being too small? I think they might have been. A Nottingham, I think it was Nottingham Cottage they were saying was too small, weren't they? Yeah, small and on a slight lean, and Oprah apparently came round for tea and said no one would believe this. Um, a fear before we run out of time. Um, I think they will be at the coronation. Um, I think they'll want to be there to be with family, to be part of that celebration. Harry will want to be there for his dad, but I predict it, and I'm telling you right now, is that whatever they do during that time, if they walk down the street, if they walk up the street, if they use their left leg or they use their right leg, the British media are going to have an absolute field day. And when we say that, you know, people are saying that they shouldn't come to the coronation because it will be all about them. It's the British media that will make it all about them, not the Sussexes themselves. Well, that is all we've got time for on this special episode of The Royal Tea. My thanks to Afir, to Tessa and Rupert. Uh, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we will be back early in 2023 with the next instalment. Lots more to talk about. Don't forget that book Spare is coming out on January the 10th. We'll see you then.